FM, Indianapolis. Go drop in. It's the moment y'all been waiting for. Broadcasting from the Isaacs and Isaacs. We win.com. Injury Lawyer Studio. It's the show where Indy comes to top. Open lines with Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle. On Hot 96.3. Hold up. And good morning to you, Indianapolis. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle, coming to you live from the Hot 96.3 and 106.7 WTLC Studios on this Sunday, April 24th. And it is a beautiful, absolutely beautiful day out there in the city this morning. It was a great evening last night. Some of the best weather we've had all year. So get outside and enjoy it this weekend because it is beautiful already this morning at 8 o'clock. As you know, we are just now days away from Indiana's primary election coming up on May 3rd. And as we have been doing over the past couple of weeks, we are focusing on the election and who's running. Who are these folks? Why is it that they want your vote? Well, in the newly created Senate District of 46, there are five Democrats and one Republican who would like your vote both this May and this November. On the Republican side, there's only one person. So we'll talk with him before we get toward the November election. But on the Democratic side, there are five, count them, five people who are vying to get your vote for the May primary election. And we're going to introduce you to all five of them this morning. We plan to talk with three of them and do two more next week because the show is only an hour. I can't talk to five people in an hour. So we're going to split it up. So this morning on the show, we have Andrea Hunley. She is one of the three candidates you'll hear from today. She is an Indianapolis public school principal, and she's now getting into politics. We'll talk to her about why. Ashley Eason is another candidate. She's previously worked with U.S. Global Leadership and is running for Senate District 46. It's not her first time running, though. We'll find out exactly how she plans to make things a little bit different uh, this time. And Kara Lopez-Evans, maybe a name that you know from the Marion County Prosecutor's Office. Well, she, too, is jumping onto the other lane of politics and becoming uh, a person who is running for Senate District 46. So the plan here, I'm vamping now for a reason. Uh, The plan here is to talk to Andrea, Ashley, and Kara this morning. I'm going to let you know right now. So far, I've not been able to get Andrea Hunley on the phone. She's actually supposed to be our first guest this morning. So having a little technical difficulty. So we'll spend about 15 minutes uh, with each candidate here this morning. Andrea for about 15 minutes and then Ashley Eason for the next 15 minutes coming up around 820 and then around 840. We'll talk with Kara Lopez Owens. Uh, So, uh, so I don't have to mess up the entire uh, rundown of the show. I'm going to keep trying to get uh, Andrea Hunley uh, on the phone here this morning um, because I haven't been able to connect with her, but she is supposed to be our first guest. So we're going to vamp for uh, a few moments while we uh, try to get her on the phone. In the meantime, let's do open lines and talk about what it is you would want 
out of Senate District 46. Now, those are the three people who we were going to talk to today. Next week, I'm already extending an invitation to Kristen Jones. She is a city county counselor. You may know her uh, from that. And she's also uh, the slated Democratic candidate uh, for Senate District 46. So she's been endorsed by the Marion County Democrats. And then there is Bob Kern, um, who has um, made some headlines in the past, uh, but is still, well, his headlines were for um, impersonating a female judge, apparently. Hopefully we can talk to him about that next week. So we'll be inviting Kristen Jones and Bob Kern on the show uh, next week. Uh, but this morning, Andrea Hunley, Ashley Eason, and Kara Lopez-Owens. While we wait to get Miss Hunley on the phone, call me, 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. Maybe we'll get uh, Andrea on the show uh, next week if we can't get her uh, here this morning. Um, what do you want out of your politician? Uh, the newly created uh, Senate District uh, 46 goes really from uh, the west side of Indianapolis in Wayne Township, uh, cuts down, takes a sliver of Perry Township on the south side, uh, uh, nearly all of Center Township, and then out to the east in uh, Warren Township. So it's a newly created uh, district because it's going to be solidly Democrat. They know that. That's why they're doing it. Um, so it's going to be a di- it's going to be different. It's it's some uh, some of these folks have uh, taken some of the neighboring districts and made it into. Uh, Senate District uh, 46's map. So 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. Waiting, supposed to have Andrea Hunley as our first guest. Let me tell you about Andrea. She is uh, an Indianapolis school principal um, who's who's never got into politics, but uh, she has spent the past 10 years leading the Center for Inquiry School Number 2. Uh, she serves... Uh, families in a lot of ways throughout the IPS districts. Ten years of being an educator, uh, it's no wonder she has an interest in politics. As you know, our classrooms uh, have become so politicized and everything that we do uh, from from school budget to, uh, you know, this past session, what teachers can teach. Uh, there have been a lot of reasons why someone in education uh, may say, look, I need a little help. I'm going to do it myself. Um, and I'm going to go run. So what do you want out of your politician, especially if you're in Senate District 46? Uh, Indiana is not going to lose. It's a solid uh, supermajority of candidates. Just not going to happen of Republican side. Uh, but there's a good chance Senate District 46 will go to a Democrat, uh, and one of them could be Ashley Eason, Andrea Hundley, Kristen Jones, Bob Kern, or Carla Lopez Owens. On the Republican side, uh, it's Evan Sheeran. And I kept remember, trying to figure out why I knew that name because I randomly interviewed Evan Sheeran a couple years ago. Um, he's a bicyclist and uh, had some issues with how drivers were treating bicyclists. So um, I've actually met him before, not not through politics, but through a, a story that I had done. Nevertheless, he is the Republican Party's only candidate on that side of the aisle. And... Um, automatically we'll be facing off with one of the five candidates we plan to introduce you to uh, here on the show. With that said, let's go to the phones and talk to you and see what it is you want out of your politician um, at the state house. Uh, it, it was a volatile headline, national headline making year at the state house. The next person you vote in, 
what do you want them to do? Do you want them to make changes? Do you want them to keep things the same? Do you want them to do something as far as legalizing marijuana? Do you want them to raise teacher pay? What exactly do you want uh, them to do? 317-239-9696. 317-239-9696. Caller on line two. Good morning. Who's this? Good morning. This is Liz. And I actually, um, I'm a, uh, I guess you would call me clerk or um, uh, voter uh, judge or I'm one of the bipartisan team members, which turned into a site manager. And I have a lot of uh, voters asking me questions mm-hmm. like, who decides or determines how the redistricting districting is done and I tell them it's by the party Mm -hmm. and I want to make sure that I'm giving them the right information because I don't want to tell somebody something and it's not true because that's a lot of responsibility you tell that person they'll tell someone else they'll tell someone else and then you know by the time it gets back around it's really really out of whack so I want to know why who who determines the redistricting areas boundaries and why it's redistricted because people are confused about their polls. Like, as you know, like in, in Center Township, some of the polls are closed. Who determines that? Why? And who, why don't they tell the, the actual voters? Why don't they send mailers out or something to let them know that their poll has been changed or moved? Because they're confused when they come to the polls to vote. Center well, Township, City County building, People, we opened early, so people were coming there from all over mm-hmm. before the satellites opened, and they had questions, and I need to know the right answers to give them. Well, I'll tell you on the polling places, first, don't let um, <clears throat> the confusion stop, you know, discourage folks from voting. I know a lot of times they may send out where the new polling places are for this year. Uh, sometimes it may mm-hmm. just be a, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it may just be something You're in the fine. mail that, um that comes, but in Marion County, you can vote at any polling place. It doesn't matter. It does. Yeah, I tell them that. Yes. And and, yes. and 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 that's still a new thing. And so folks are still. Well, I've always gone to the high school three blocks from my house to vote. I've been going there for twenty years. And sometimes they change. Maybe that year the school decided, hey, we got an event going on that week. We can't be a polling place. Nevertheless. In Marion County, you can go to any polling place to vote early. It doesn't have to be in your neighborhood. You can look all of those polling places up uh, online and what their hours are. And, of course, the city-county building is the most centralized location. Uh, and, and that's why you see a lot of people coming there because they know that that place yeah. is going to be there. When it comes to redistricting, yeah. though, uh, the redistricting, and this happens in every state. Both Republicans and Democrats do it. Um, it's really a form of gerrymandering. Um, and that's just to change who gets, uh, who's staying in power. Who's staying in power. And and it's not a Republican thing. It's not a Democrat thing. It's the person, in, it's the group in power thing. Um, in Indiana, we have a supermajority of Republicans. Um, and Senate District 46, for example, I'm looking at the new map right now. Uh, they've chopped up uh, part of District 32, part mm-hmm. of District 28, part mm-hmm. of District 34, part yeah. of District, a uh, little bit of 33, part of District 35, and uh, a huge chunk of District 36 to create this new District 46. 
And all they did was like, okay, in this center area, we know that is solid Democrat vote land. Let's keep let we'll we'll let the Democrats have that. But someone like uh, Ashley Eason, she ran uh, in Senate District uh, 30. What what was it? What would that be? Senate District. I think that's 35. Jack Sandlin's district. um, District 36, excuse me, in District 36. And she did quite well. She got 46 percent of the vote. He got 54. This person that nobody's ever heard of, who who's mm-hmm. Ashley Eason, almost beating longtime Republican Jack Sandlin. So you look at the mm-hmm. map and you say, OK, we almost lost Jack. What do we do? So you look mm-hmm. at Jack's map, take out the Democrats out of Jack's map and move them out because we know we're going to keep the Republicans, add more Republicans to his district, take out the Democrats. It doesn't matter what the area is, it's all about how many Republicans are in the House and how many or Senate and how many Democrats. It doesn't matter who they represent. So they so who approves these maps? The Democrats will put forth the map that they would like and the Republicans put forth the map that they would like. And ultimately, the group in power is going to get what they want. And then when you have a governor who is also of that party, He's going to sign off. So the map that you see is the map that the Republicans wanted pushed through uh, and that the gov- Governor Holcomb ultimately signed into law. Um, so, you know, the same thing. We could go to California and see how they're how Democrats are doing the same thing in a in a Democrat heavy um, district. So mm-hmm. so the, the short answer to who approves these maps your lawmakers, the people you're voting for, the people in power, the people in power, and it's the party in power um, who is ultimately signing off on it. So this new map, which is they created a heavily Democrat area, not so that they could have more Democrats, but so that they could keep the Republicans that they have. Yes, in in power. I, I agree with you totally, and I'm so glad that you answered those questions for me publicly because I tell one voter at a time, but you tell thousands when you speak. So I really appreciate you today and keep doing what you're doing because you are building knowledge of political and uh, social, economical um, wealth and what have you in our community because people don't know and they listen to you. And they believe what you tell them. So you continue to do what you do to make my community a better place. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you listening and asking and that question. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. Let me jump to one, to one more caller we've got this morning. We are talking with the, the candidates of Senate District uh, 46. That is the newly created Senate District, which really takes up the center of Indianapolis Parts of uh, the west side area down to the south side, a little bit of Perry Township, nearly all of the bottom two thirds of Center Township, and then a large portion of the east side and all through the Warren Township area is the new Center District 46. So it literally goes from the west side through the downtown. Uh, and over to the east side. Let me take one more call as we get ready to talk with Ashley Eason next. She is uh, running for Senate District 46. Uh, caller on line one. Good morning. You're live on Open Lines. Who's this? 
Hi, Cameron. I sent you a friend request on Facebook. Oh, it's did not you? like the YouTube channel. Okay. It's something different. But in any case, uh, this one gal is running for uh, – she's not here this morning. And I know she's being backed by the Mind Trust. Uh, they are destroying our kids. That's what she's into. So she's a lobbyist for them. And she's going over to the state house, just like the Urban League, trying to trump up phony evidence against the black community. And Marshawn and his group, the Black Onyx, going over there testifying in hearings and uh, most part being ignored because they have a, a super majority of Republicans. But uh, Marshawn and them are going around, uh, Cameron, telling people that we want the uh, critical race theory taught, and that includes sexualizing three- and four-year-old kids. That's what they're doing. And not one pastor, not one uh, organization has came out to condemn them. I know the Urban League and the NAACP have been over there uh, uh, promoting that kind of behavior within our community with three- and four-year-old kids. And they are trying to placate the uh, gay community, the GLBTQZ, whatever, uh, community. I don't see why people can't criticize them. They're just like anybody else. Everybody, you get on uh, Twitter, you get on YouTube, and you criticize their community, and you're automatically cut off. They have to be stand for criticism for the past sins they've done against the, against the black people in which they are using them right now to move their agenda forward. Every time you see our pastors over there promoting that, they know that their code prohibits them from doing that. In fact, they're supposed to condemn that kind of behavior. Yet people are going and setting up in their churches now, listen to we need to be kind and we need to go along to get along. That's uh, an extinction behavior, a culture of extinction, because it does not produce anything. The abortions, they go over there and holler for them. But you look around our city, Cameron, where they built church on top of the church in these gentrified communities. They're going to do nothing but tear these churches down when the congregation has no place to park in that community, and uh, they're going to have to move on. So they squandered the legacy money of the black community on their church building boom right. of the 90s and 2000s. All right, Larry. They've done it. Thanks, Cameron. Send right. me on Facebook. Okay. You'll be surprised. Oh, okay. Uh, I hope so. All right. All right, coming up here this morning, uh, we are talking with the candidates of Senate District 46. Ashley Eason is running for that same office as five other people. But why? I just brought her name up when I talked about how she almost beat uh, Jack Sandlin. She's part of the reason there is a Senate District 46. But why is she running and why does she want you to vote for her? We'll talk with Ashley Eason coming up in three minutes here on Open Lines on 106.7 WTLC and Hot 96.3. Back to Open Lines with Cameron Riddle on Hot 96.3. And we are back here on Open Lines on 106.7 WTLC and Hot 96.3 on this Sunday, April 24th, introducing you to the candidates for the newly created Senate District 46. This morning on the show, we'll have Ashley Eason and Kara Lopez-Owens. Let's talk right now with uh, Ashley Eason. She's a name that you may know uh, because it's been on a ballot before, but I won't waste too much time introducing her. 
I'll let her introduce herself as she joins us right now on our live line. Ashley, good morning. Good morning, Cameron. It's so good to have you. How are you? I'm doing well this morning. Thanks so much for welcoming candidates for 46th District to open line. Absolutely. It's, it's important. <laughs> this district is obviously important enough that they decided we needed to create one. So we got to talk about it. Um, and it's also obviously so important because there are five Democrats and a Republican running for this seat. Why do you want people to vote for you when they look, when they get their, uh, their Democrat ballot? Um, why do you want them to circle in on Ashley Eason? <laughs> Thank you so much. And thanks for your notes earlier in the show uh, about my run in 2020. Uh, I, that was the first time I'd ever run for office. And it was an incredible experience. Uh, and obviously, it was a good enough one that when this new opportunity came up, I could not say no. The reason I would love to have voters choose me is because, for me, this race is much more about uh, the big picture than just uh, winning, winning this one state Senate race. Uh, it's about building a statewide Democratic Party that can put us in a position so that someday soon we're not talking about the supermajority of Republicans in the state house. We're talking about the balance that exists and we're talking about how we're able to uh, convince and persuade both sides of the aisle to vote for legislation that would be beneficial to our entire community. Um, that we're talking about how Indianapolis is no longer constantly under attack by uh, super right-wing Republicans, but instead we have strong Democrats leading from across the state to ensure that everyone does well, especially my neighbors here in the 46th district. When let's go back to um, to the 2020 election, um, that then you were running against uh, Jack Sandlin, longtime Republican. Jack's actually called into the show before. Uh, to talk about, um, I think it was probably some Indigo stuff, um, among other things that he, he's come on for. Nevertheless, um, you tested him back in 2020. You got 46% of that vote uh, to his 54%. That was literally apparently enough of a threat um, that, <laughs> that they had to chop up that district. I mean, that's literally what happened. You weren't the only one, obviously, but um, had you performed far worse there would have been no need to chop up his district and create this add it to what is now 46 what does that say um about hmm. what hoosiers want um from their politicians especially um here here in indianapolis wow thanks uh thanks for taking me back to 2020 that was I'm an sorry. amazing time <laughs> well, <laughs> it, still recovering it, uh, it, yes. Well, the thing is, um, the thing I'm most proud of from that race is we knew we were the underdog. He had won his previous Senate race in 2016 by a margin of 19 percentage points. That's a huge margin. Mm -hmm. That's something that most people in politics would say, so you can't win that. Mm -hmm. right, right. <laughs> Don't even bother. The, the math uh, just isn't there. Right. And, and the reality is it depends who's in the district. But uh, we worked incredibly hard. We tried different ways to reach voters because 
we also had a much smaller budget than Senator Sandlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had about $200,000 to work with over the course of both the primary and the general election. By the end of the campaign, we believe Senator Sandlin and others on his behalf had spent almost a million dollars to save that seat. Mm -hmm. And while he won by 19 percentage points in 2016, we kept him to under eight percentage points in 2020. And that meant we brought out a 30 percent increase in Democrat turnout. Uh, so 5,200 Democrats showed up that had not been seen before. And that's something that I know we need to see happening all over the state. But when you don't have candidates showing up and participating in competitive races that work as if it's winnable, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to motivate people to show up when they don't believe they really have a choice or a chance uh, to be represented in our legislature. So we learned a lot in that experience. And I think that we are underestimating de- uh, Democrats here in our state, in Indianapolis and beyond, and their interest in being at the table of politics. And what we learned is if you show up and you ask, they might want to be a part of what you're up to. And we learned that Uh, over and over in this current campaign as well. We are on the air this morning with Ashley Easton. She is one of five Democrats that is running to get your vote for the newly created Senate District 46. She's joining us live right now here on Open Lines, and she's willing to take some questions from you. Call us, 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. Ashley Easton very well could be uh, one of Indiana's next uh, senators here at the Indiana State House. So, what do you want to know from her or what would you like to ask of her as she could very well be representing you there at the state house 317-239-9696 317-239-9696 Ashley you're going to be regardless um wh- whoever wins on on this democrat side uh, is going to be facing a super majority of republicans uh in the Indiana state house what mm-hmm. um for you what kind of what does that look like that it's almost like an imp- impossible task because you can work all you want but at the end of the day you got to get through them absolutely and you've really you've really caught like the most important thing about my platform you know when i look at the democrats who have stepped up to run in this particular campaign particularly the women we're all good democrats And we're all going to probably vote fairly similarly on Mm -hmm. most issues if we're elected. And that's great. Um, I have a lot of admiration for the women that are running in this race. But here's the thing. Once we get in, you're right. We're in a supermajority of Republicans. And they can vote in their own legislation without any Democrat support. So they can do whatever they want independently. When Democrats put forward legislation that reflects the values of our city and of Democrats, they can just say, that's cute. We're going to move on now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As they have. (laughs) Um, As they have in many cases. And here's what's most important here. To get anything done today, immediately, it's going to take someone who is able to earn the trust and respect of those Republican colleagues and engage with them and 
find some win-win solutions. That's something that I have a lot of experience doing. So my previous role you mentioned in the introduction, um, before I moved to Indianapolis uh, over five years ago, I worked for an advocacy organization called the U.S. Global Leadership Coalition. They advocated for funding for the U.S. Department of State. That's all of our international development and diplomacy work. So our U.S. embassies and uh, helping companies market their products in new countries um, outside of the U.S. My job was to convince members of Congress by engaging with their voters and their constituents. And most of our targets in Indiana and really across the country were Republicans. And so before I moved to Indiana, I spent several years working here and getting to know lots of Republicans and earning their trust and respect uh, and influencing them to support legislation that I believed truly helped Indiana but was often under attack by Republicans. And that's the kind of work that's going to be essential to get anything done right now uh, in our state house. It's building trust, uh, being someone that uh, reaches out consistently and tries to find ways to give them a win as well. Like, hey, I hear you're interested in this, this piece of legislation, this law. What if we did this thing nearby, not that one, but this one nearby, what if we did that instead and you still get the benefit of your voters really being happy about it, but it doesn't harm Indianapolis. And those are the kind of things I might not even be able to take credit for. Mm -hmm. It might be quiet behind the scenes work, but that's, that's the kind of work I really excel with Let's and complete Let's talk to some folks on the phone, 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. That's the number to get on the air here this morning. The phone lines are now open. Dial me, 317-239-9696. Caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, Cameron. How you doing this morning? I'm good, Paul. How are you? Oh, I'm well. <clears throat> I have a. I just have a simple question for, Go the, for, it. for the candidate. Um, Can you turn your radio down a little bit back there, Paul? Oh, okay. Appreciate it. Um, I, I just got I just got one question. Mm -hmm. I, I'm just I had a uh, a luncheon meeting with uh, Paul Gryphon. He's the uh, vice president for Teachers Credit Union, and I and he he blatantly uh, said that you know he understands that the banking industry is is not really geared towards the black community. Mm -hmm. And what exactly? do she plan on doing about the unbalance amongst the races? That's right. my question. Thank you, Paul. Uh, yeah. Ashley, I'll turn it over to you. Go for it. And you got more calls as well. 317-239-9696. Go ahead. Paul, thanks so much for that question. Um, and I, you're absolutely right. A lot of our institutions are not built for all members of our community to be to access them and to benefit from them. And I think there's a lot that we can do uh, right away to make things more accessible for, uh, as you said, the black community. Um, I have had the privilege of getting to know um, someone who's also in the banking industry that's working hard to help our Hispanic population uh, get connected to banking. And 
he does a lot of work around education. Uh, he provides seminars and workshops to help educate his community about the tools and resources available in banking. Uh, because it's, it's something that if you are not raised within a system and a family <clears throat> that uses the banking system, uh, it's like speaking a foreign language when you learn about it. And you, we do need help. We do need to offer that support. And it can't just be, well, you should know better. <laughs> the answer should be, what are some simple things we can do to make this more accessible? Um, and it's, it has to center around education. It has to center around language access uh, and making sure that the tools and resources they're providing uh, are translated uh, into the languages of our community, which it's not just English. <laughs> it's not just Spanish either. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is important for us to make banking more accessible, just as it is important for us to make voting more accessible to people from all over our community, which uh, disproportionately uh, are people of color in our community, minorities are underrepresented uh, in banking, in voting, uh, in um, education. So we need to find ways to proactively engage those communities, make it accessible and understand how to talk to them in a way that they're able to hear us. Ashley, we've got about two or three minutes left. This race is different for you because um, you've got five Democrats running just to get through the primary on right. May 3rd. And you talked about how competitive things were uh, in 2020 when you were running against Jack Sandlin and the amount of money that were put mm -hmm. into those campaigns. What how are things different this time as far as, you know, are you advertising? Um, is it has is it far more difficult than than maybe you thought it would be? So I wouldn't say it's more difficult, but I would say it is a different campaign for sure. Because right now I'm talking almost exclusively to Democrats, but also to some Republicans in this community. I, I think what's sad about the gerrymandering you talked about earlier is in this instance, it's a district that's packed with Democrats, mm -hmm. but it's not 100% Democrats. Mm -hmm. It's maybe 70 or 75% Democrats. And I want to make sure that we're not excluding anyone from this community. Um, th these are all constituents of one of us as a future state senator. And it's, so it's not harder. It's just I'm focused right now in this primary on talking to Democrats because primarily Democrats are going to make the choice mm -hmm. in this campaign. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, we are advertising. Uh, we're primarily going through Facebook and Instagram, but we're also on Twitter. Um, we do have a website, and I would encourage any of your listeners to visit that for questions or to reach out to me directly, which you can get a phone number um, on the website that you can get, get to me. Uh, but our website is Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y, for, spelled out, F-O-R, indiana.com so ashleyforindiana.com and uh, we have policy positions on there we have information about how to vote in this primary uh, how to get registered we have passed the registration deadline but you can absolutely get registered for the general election um, and if you want to uh, connect with me directly there's there's ways to do that through the website all right. And, and Ashley, by the way, feel free to have your campaign spend some of that money here at the radio station as well. You know, we got. Ah, that's, that's a great know? idea.
You know, I'll, I'll I'll have my people reach out to your people. Thanks, Cameron. Appreciate it. Ashley, it's been a uh, good talking to you. Thank you for introducing yourself to our listeners. Uh, the Indiana primary is coming up on May third, uh, and Ashley Eason is one of five Democrats who want your vote. Ashley, thank you so much. Thanks, Cameron. Talk to y'all soon. All right, we're going to introduce you to another Democrat coming up here in just a few moments. Carla Lopez Owens also wants your vote. We'll introduce you to her when Open Lines continues here on Hot 96.3 and 106.7 WTLC. Back to Open Lines with Cameron Riddle on Hot 96.3. And we are back here on Open Lines on Hot 96.3 and 106.7 WTLC, giving you a preview of the May election coming up on May 3rd. You can vote anywhere in Marion County at any polling location. The deadline to register to vote for this election has already passed, but nevertheless, you can still get vote, get registered to vote for the November election if you miss out this May. There are five, count them, five Democrats that are running for election uh, in this election for District 46. We just introduced you to Ashley Eason. Carla Lopez Owens is another candidate who was running. Uh, she has been an employee of the Marion County Prosecutor's Office. And according to the Indy Star, they say she's one of the more progressive candidates in the field. Uh, Carla Lopez Owens joins us on our live line right now. You can get the chance to talk with her as well by calling us 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. Carla, good morning. Hi, good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I almost started speaking to you in Spanish. I was like, am I, am I talking to someone in Spanish or in English? Well, <laughs> so good morning. I would not have done well. I took Spanish <laughs> back in college and had to switch because I just couldn't do it. So I had to take German I slid slid by on that. Nevertheless, <laughs> uh, Carla, why are you running for senator for District 46? Thank you for your question. Um, I am running for state senate in District 46 because I see I have been involved in the community for a little over 12 years now. I may be the youngest in the group, but. I am the one with the most experience. Um, I've worked in the non-for-profit sector, in the private sector, in the government sector, with both Republican and Democratic administrations. And um, over the last 12 years, I've just, you know, have seen firsthand the needs of the community. And I have also seen how quickly the demographics are changing in Marion County. Um, When, you know, when we talk about the working class people, the immigrant community, um, Hispanic community between 2010 and 2020, for example, Latino grew by mm-hmm. 51%. And we still have n- no representation in Indianapolis. Um, the representation that we do have is, you know, throughout the state, but we need something here n- now in, in Indianapolis. And our people can't wait anymore. You ran uh, previously, folks may have seen your ballot. Uh, name on a ballot as well when you ran for uh, the city county council um, what made you decide let me m- let me try again a- and run for senate um so my name was actually not on the ballot to almost two years ago in july um and very quickly the you know back in yeah july, i know what you're yeah i've yeah <laughs> you you're let me rephrase it 
you were a contender, but due to some party party politics, you didn't get your name on the ballot with you and several others. Nevertheless, let me rephrase. You've been yes. you've your name has been thrown in the hat to be in an office. Um, exactly. <clears throat> why the, why this time did you say okay I'm going to do that? Um. So to go back a little bit to the race in 2020, I think it's important for folks to kind of understand kind of what happened. I, I entered this race to fill a vacancy um, at the city county council level. And because it was a special election, only 23 people were able to vote in that election. And it's been reported. We've done some research. And out of the 23 people, only three had been elected into um, the precinct committee position. So that means that 20 20 of those people were appointed by the party chair. And so those 20 people were the ones who eventually made the decision on who was going to be filling this vacancy, right? So it was between me, um, this woman named Francine Lee, and this, name, this man named Jason Larison. And um, he, you know, he was backed by the mayor. He was backed by the, the party machine. And despite, you know, him having a checkered past of having said, um, just <laughs> racist, uh, insensitive remarks about women, the LGBTQ plus community, um, immigrants. He was still installed into this seat by, by the party. And so that was my experience in seeing just how the Democratic Party works. I'm very transparent um, about where I'm coming from. I challenge, you know, people within our own party. And I think you need that, you know, in, in, in order to be able to go into this majority GOP uh, General Assembly to be able to challenge those in, in power. Um, but but yeah, so to answer your question, the issues that our campaign was elevating to the platform in 2020 are the same issues that we're elevating with this race as well. I've been involved in the community for over 10, you know, 10 years now. And this vehicle is the most visible um, platform that I've had to elevate those issues. So these issues transcend any election, representation, racism, the corruption that happens in state politics. And this is something that I was talking about five years ago, and this is something that I'll be talking about five, ten years, you know, in, into the future. You've got some callers, and I'm going to go there in just one second. Let me ask you this. Why does the Indianapolis Star uh, say you are, per, quote, perhaps one of the more progressive candidates? What, what about you is so progressive? Thank you for the question. And I, I don't, I mean, I think I just elevate issues that are, that make sense, that are common sense to me. Um, I grew up in poverty. I talk very candidly about my experience and my inability to um, access, you know, a lot of these spaces. I, I went to law school and um, that was, you know, again, like another experience, just seeing how, how classist our, our um, systems can be, like these structures. They, they're full of racist um, people. And, you know, law school is an example. Politics is another example. And so I want to challenge those, those structures. So, I, I mean, I can talk more about some of the other stances that I have that I feel like are, are more progressive. But I'm, I keep talking about the working class people. I keep talking about immigrants, black people, 
um, you know, underrepresented communities. And I, I don't know what about that is progressive, but those are the issues that will, you know, continue pushing to the forefront, the, the needs of these of these communities. All right, let's go to the phone lines. 317-239-9696. 317-239-9696. We are talking with Carla Lopez Owen. She is one of five Democrats running to get your vote for Senate District 46 coming up here on Tuesday, May 3rd. Caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, uh, Cameron, I don't want her talking about racism on my behalf. It's getting too far gone. I don't want racism to be bought up. They're using black people under the guise that they're going to do something about racism. But if anybody wants to see the actual performance of the Senate here in the state of Indiana, they need to come down to the State House to the Senate chambers on uh, May the 24th and see how the Senate operates when they have a out of control of this situation uh, that we have with the transvestite in the state. Glad that they've done that, and uh, you need to come down there and see Suzanne Crouch in action. All right. I think she could be our next governor. But in any case, all right, uh, you've got you had your time. I got I got more. Don't use racism. Don't use racism. All right. Thanks, Larry. I got more callers. You're trying to get in. Caller on line two. Good morning. Who's this? Good morning. This is Brian Young. How are you doing today? I'm good, Brian. What's on your mind? So I want to kind of mention something to the young lady who is running for office. Apparently, she seems to sound Ukrainian. Um, I feel like it's a ploy. I mean, let's just be real. They don't understand african-american plight in this country there's just no way she says she works with the community i understand that i've been installing flooring up in that community in hamilton county indiana i can echo the sentiment of the community they don't care she's i just it doesn't feel sincere and i think we can do better as a people thank you all right uh so carla they both kind of mentioned um they both brought up race now you're you're hispanic um and there has been some discussion. It's not just about you, but over the past two years, I've heard more and more folks say um, black and brown is not the same. Um, and that and of course, we know there are similarities, but but they're not the same. And so I guess some of the sentiment that both of those callers were saying um, was they aren't they're they're not sold that when. They hear folks say minority populations and black and brown communities and people of color or however you want to word it, that black people will actually get um, the representation that they're looking for. I'm going to give that to you because I don't think that's a personal attack on you. It's um, it's something I'm hearing more and more of when other minorities run and say they're going to represent all minorities. Um I'll, I'll, I'll give that to you. Yes, and thank you so much for that question. Um, I, I, you know, if I, if I came across as um, saying that black and brown issues are the same, they're not at all. But, you know, something that I also am very mindful of is I grew up undocumented. And I will never, I will never understand the, the struggles that the black community um, has gone through in, in this country. I will never understand that. But what I do understand is the criminalization of, of our communities, the black and brown communities, by the same systems of power, by law enforcement. And so I grew up um, being scared of the police. I remember driving down the road and my mom seeing a police car and telling us, hide, it's the police. 
And, you know, like I just grew up with this fear because you see a police car, you automatically um, assume that it's immigration and you hide, you know, and it's it's not healthy. Those 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 feelings, those sentiments, are they're not something that go away overnight. Um, I care very deeply about the issues that affect the black African-American community. Um, and a few years ago, you know, I, I'm very vocal about injustice. So a few years ago, I was at a protest, um, you know, protesting police brutality. And this was after the verdict of, um, it was after Mike Brown had been shot and uh-huh. killed. And we were protesting, you know, like police brutality. And I got arrested. And that experience was, you know, like eye-opening. The treatment of minority people in, in in Indiana and in the country is just unacceptable. And so that's what our campaign is also hoping to um, uh, to address those bridges and like why why is there like this mistrust between the these communities of power, like these um, structures of power. And then our communities. Well, and I, you, you've, you've got some more callers here and you got five minutes left. But yes. I, I, I'm going to get to these calls. I don't know. I don't think either one of them were saying that personally. I just uh, and other topics we've had here on the show that has been that that topic, that sentiment has come up. Um, and I completely understand. Yes. Let, let me go to the phones. Caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? Good morning. This is Brian Young again. Brian, I I'm a, I got more callers. Brian, you got more folks coming. Let me. I appreciate I appreciate the opportunity to speak once more. However, um, I do realize that social economic challenges are very similar, but we are even juxtaposed to each other as black and brown. Let's be realistic. I like I said, I'm very familiar with the workforce and the community where I'm at up in Hamilton County. Mm-hmm. Right? We do not get along realistically we just don't get along at all and I, I refuse to believe that we will allow her to run off of our vote this way we do experience some of the same challenges like i said but realistically we're juxtaposed to each other even it's just the divisiveness in this country it's, it's just kind of how it is all right thank you thank you brian let me jump to the other call here uh more calls 317-239-9696 and we're running out of time caller on line two good morning who's this hey how you doing cameron until you kennedy uh um i'm Thanks for taking my call, and and, and I'll be brief. <clears throat> I know you got called, his brother Imhotep here, and uh, the gentleman in Hamilton County. Uh, there is a sentiment that is there. I've been to just about not every Latin American country, a uh, few in South America, but most of them, in, a few in Central America, definitely in Caribbean, uh, and from what I get in Puerto Rico. And the one time I was able to go to Cuba on an educational mission, there's a split between the, the Latino community about their own heritage, their own culture, their own identity. I think Henry Louis Gates did a special on that. Uh, and, well, I, and I saw that in various countries where the dark-skinned Latinos were putting their back and the lighter ones were putting their front. I think the Cuban issue in Florida kind of drowns out because when I deal in times I've been to Mexico, especially in California, and times I've talked to my, my um, uh, Central American brethren, they kind of get it. They kind of get it. They kind of understand. I'm low but on I time. That, okay, real fast. But I think the Cuban community and what goes on in Florida has drowned it out, and we honestly need to squash that and go and show how uh, the white establishment has hurt their countries abroad and hurt mm. them here also because paying tax without representation is no good. She talked about being undocumented. So thanks for taking my call. 
All right, thank you. Uh, Carla, the phone lines are still ringing, um, but we've got uh, only about a minute and a half uh, left here on the show. I'm going to let you uh, close it out and and tell us also how people can learn more about you and, and continue to uh, talk with you. Wow, I, I wish we had more time to talk. Me too. But, I mean, some of these points that the callers are bringing up are very important. And I think, you know, the last caller was right. I think, um, you know, really quickly, I'm from Mexico, and there's so much hypocr- hypocrisy in, in my country with um, with race when it comes to racism. We're one of the most racist people, <laughs> and I'll be the first to acknowledge that, you know. But I think acknowledging is um, the first part to addressing the real issue, like the core root issues of these um, this disease. And, yeah, you know, like hopefully we can have um, more time to delve deeper into this topic. But if people want to learn more about our campaign, they can go to our website, www.klo, the number four, and then change.com. And happy to answer any questions, happy to continue the conversation with any of the other callers. Um, I'm here. I'm part of this community. I'll be here. And I'm hoping to build bridges um, now and, and in the future. Well, Carla, I can say you certainly don't shy away from uh, the topic, and, and you can tell that you've been uh, having these conversations before. Like you said, you've been doing this for 10 years. So uh, I wish that there was more time to continue this conversation because the phone lines are still ringing for folks who want to um, say something about this conversation that we're having. But nevertheless, uh, Carla just gave out uh, her website information, and we thank you for uh, doing the best you could in the time that we had and 15 minutes to introduce yourself and again carla give your website one more time that's www.klo the number four change.com and there's also a page on there or like a tab where you can contact us or my phone number is on there my email is on there and happy to meet up and have these conversations in person as well all right Thank you so much for coming on the show, Carla. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, We're going to continue this conversation next Sunday here on Open Lines. Again, there are five candidates running uh, for this seat. We are extending an invitation for Andrea Hundley to come back uh, next week. She was supposed to be our first guest, but we had some some issues getting her on this morning. She had a family emergency. Um, And then on top of that, we still have to talk with Kristen, Kristen Jones and Bob Kern, the other Democrats running for Senate District 46's seat. The election is coming up on May 3rd, and in Marion County, you can already start early voting right now at any of the open polling locations. That's going to do it for this edition of Open Lines. I'm Cameron Riddle. We are back same time, same station next Sunday, live at 8.